Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, God's good. God's good. There is this... There is this lumberjack that he was... He was cutting down trees for like 40 years. He was a seasoned lumberjack, and he used a double-headed axe. And he had, you know, he just did this. And one day he went in to get a, a file to sharpen his um, axe. He, w- he would go through these things like crazy because he sharpened his axe so much. And the, the lumber yard, the, the hardware store said, Dude, we have this new thing called a chainsaw. And I'm telling you, if you get this chainsaw, you can increase your output of trees that you cut down 10 to 15 fold. Easy. Easy. You'll be able to cut down 10 times as many trees in one day with this chainsaw. He's like, really? He's like, dude, like, I could take the weekends off, you know? Like, I won't have to make ends meet anymore. He's like, yeah, give me, give me the best one you have. And he did it. And so... He gets it out there, and after two or three days, he brings it back. He's like, dude, this is a piece of junk. Slams it on the counter. He's like, I'm sick of this. He said, you told me I would be able to cut down ten times as many trees than with my trusty old axe. He said, I haven't been able to cut down three trees in a week with it. He said, this is stupid. He's like, oh, calm down, man. Calm down. Let's let's look at it. I don't know what's going on. You got it right out of the box, you know, and so he he checked the gas, he checked the oil, he made sure the chain was tight, he made sure all that was tight. And, and uh, he's like, well, um, and then as the guy was checking out, you know, the, 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 the lumberjack, he was turning around looking back at files and axes and everything, and the guy behind the counter was over here, and he's like, well, I guess there's one more thing to do, let's fire it up. And he starts it, and you know, the chainsaw, you know, and the guy is over here. He goes, whoa, what was that? I'll hit you here in a second. He's trying to use it like a saw the whole time instead of running it. And that's funny, but that's what we do with our prayer life. Oh, God, why did you have to do that? It was funny. Now it's personal. We, we do that so often. We have all this power and authority available to us. And yet, we don't use it to its full potential. Today, we're continuing our series in Jonah. We're in Jonah chapter 2. And we're looking at the whole chapter. And the title of my message is, is God hears you. God hears you. And I want to preach to you today about prayer. I want to preach to you today about prayer. And we're just going to jump into this. And I want you to see this this migration in Jonah's prayer. Now, I want you to get this. This is just ten verses. But Jonah was in the belly of the beast, the sea creature, um, for three days. 
This is the Cliff Note Reader's Digest version of a text message prayer. It's very short compared to, I promise you, what he prayed fervently for three days in the belly of the well. So let's just jump into it. And there's a migration of his prayer. You'll see it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Let's go. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, and I, I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. <laughs> and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back, backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. So, this is not a way to get to the beach. Okay, guys? Um, this, like, I've been wanting a beach vacation. I'm going to go jump in the water. No, no. I, I just, I want to give you three thoughts today. But the main thought is, is to build off of one thought. God hears you. God hears you. And the first thought I want to build off of in that vein of thinking is there's not a place God doesn't hear you. There's not a place God doesn't hear you. I want you to understand how low Jonah was. I don't care how bad of a day you've had today or yesterday. You did not have a swallowed by a beast in the middle of the sea down into the valley of the shadow of death in the bosom of the earth type of day. I mean, that's not an exact quote from him, but it was pretty close. Roots of the mountain type of day, engulfed by seaweed and the, the waters closed over him type of day. And, I mean, think about the stomach acid alone. Like, our stomach acid can, like, dissolve a penny. Imagine what it's doing to his skin. They, they believe that it, um, if it's anything like the sea creatures we have today, it would have turned him completely white, like just bleached him. It, like, and it, like, it would have been like a permanent change to him. And which is interesting because Dagon, the fish god that, he's, that the people worship, that's what he looked like. So here he is coming out of a belly of a bee, uh, sea creature, completely white. And he, God knows what he's doing. And Jonah's having a rough day. 
to say the least. He's in the belly of a sea creature. Some say it's a well, some say it's not. You know, all that stuff, I'm not going to get into it, but he's in the belly of something that swims in the sea. And he, like, you don't get much lower. I mean, I can't even imagine. I've never even come close to thinking what that could have been like. He doesn't know. All he knows is, I ran from God. And I find it interesting that low places in life often go hand in hand with running from God. It's interesting. It's almost like when we run from God, we just keep walking down that hill and keep walking down that hill until we hit rock bottom. And suddenly he cries out. He cries out to God in the midst of this low place. And I love the fact that God hears him. Like, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how low your life is right now. But I could tell you this. God hears you, and there's not a place where he won't hear you. He hears you. And it's usually at the lowest points where we feel abandoned, but it's at the lowest points is when we need to cry out the most. And too often, I think we substitute some things. Now, I love it when God, I love it when God answers those quick little prayers that we pray. You know what I'm talking about? Like, for instance, the other day, I, uh, in fact, it was yesterday. I was, I was walking out, I was walking out of Arbor Freight, and um, I was like, God, you know, I need jack stands. It'd be great if you provided me with some jack stands so I could fix the brakes. And I just said, Lord, you know what I need before I even ask. And I walked out, and when I got home, my neighbor was leaving. I just happened to say, dude, you have some jack stands? Dude, yeah, absolutely. And he was walking out the door, and he let me borrow a couple jack stands. I'm like, wow, like God answered like that. And then like a couple days before that, you know, like I love these little prayers. when, 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 When God just shows a father's heart, he loves to answer us. And the other day, I, I never enter contest, okay? I never, ever, ever, ever enter contest. But I was like, um, there's a shoe company that was giving away, like, a free vacation or a pair of shoes. I'm like, I'll enter it see what happens. I entered it, like, an hour before the contest ended, and I, I, I prayed a little prayer in my head. I'm like, God, it would be so cool if I won a pair of shoes. And like, an hour later, I get a message, and I won a pair of shoes. It's like, dude, that's awesome. So I went to the store, and I bought a lottery ticket. I was like, God, it, no, I'm joking. I did not, like, I thought about it. Um, I'm not going to lie. But I, I, I love it. I love it when God answers those little tiny prayers because it shows such a father's heart for us. But sometimes we substitute those, those moments in, in quick prayer, and God loves it. He says, pray about everything for fervent prayer. We substitute these these uh, these quick prayers for fervent ones, and then in in doing that, we don't experience the favor of an amazing Father who wants to reward those who diligently seek Him. When we substitute fervent prayer, the Bible says a fervent prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
And when we just substitute it for, for little tiny prayers here and there, and I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying pray those. Pray them as often as you can think. Just if you think about it, pray about it. But there are times when you just got to lock yourself away and get after God and pray fervently. And it's in those moments that we really get to see the power and we really get to see the presence and we really get to see how God, and he shifts everything when we pray like that. When we pray like that. Too often, if you go to the next slide, we, we pray enough to ease our conscience, but we seldom pray enough for breakthrough. And that's a hard pill to swallow. But when we're going through something, sometimes we just got to lock ourselves away and get after it. Jonah didn't have a choice. He was in the belly of a well. He was in a very low season. I would say when you're a prophet of God, running from God, and then God sent a storm, and you get swallowed by a sea creature, you're in a low place in life. Running from God leads to a low place, but it got worse for Jonah. And then, but you see this prayer that he prayed. It wasn't just enough to ease his conscience. God, I'm sorry. Like, I messed up. It was, God, you're right. And I praise you. I'm going to turn my heart towards you. It was a prayer for breakthrough. It was a fervent prayer for breakthrough. And I, I don't want us to be guilty of this. Just praying enough to ease our conscience, but not praying enough for breakthrough in an area. Uh, uh, finances, uh, gosh, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, a spirit outpouring. Uh, healing. What else? Restoration. Pray the little prayers, but don't forget the fervent ones. And I read this story in this this chapter with different eyes than I ever have before. Because in this season right now, it's probably been one of the lowest seasons of my life. And looking at it from that perspective made me appreciate what Jonah's doing here. And the lessons that he's teaching, the Lord's teaching us me through it. But Jonah sought God for God, and he recognized God as good. And it's hard to do when you're in a low place. And personally, last August, you guys know, I'm not going to rehash it, but after my my mom passed away, um, like, most of my family got COVID, not, not my immediate family. I'm the only one out of my wife and my kids that got it. And we all got hit at my mom's funeral. And I think she was probably laughing. Um, like in your face. Um, but I got home, and that was so hard. And I had to isolate because this is back when they were still trying to figure out how to really combat it effectively. So they're really requiring, not requiring, but really checking in on the, the, the quarantines and everything like that. I don't know if they're still doing that to the degree because we figured out this virus a lot more in a year than what we knew back then because we're only like five months into this thing at that point, six months or so. And so, but they told me like, if you don't isolate from your family, 
you're, basically, your family is going to have to be in isolation for the whole month of October after you get out. And so I'm like, I'm not going to do that to my wife and my kids because it's in the middle of the school year. And also, I don't know if my wife could put up with my kids like that. Um, she's great, but I know her limits. And so what I, we decided to do is like, they just, we just put me in my own room. I have my own bathroom, and they just did not come to that end of the house in fact, it was almost like solitary confinement. They slid my food into the hallway, you know, like they opened the little window in the door. Your food's ready, you know. And, but it was, it was one of those moments where I, all I wanted was to hug my babies. I wanted, like I just buried my mom two days before this, and now I'm going in 10 days of literally zero contact. And one of my main love languages is physical touch, and I love hugs, and I I, I love snuggles and cuddles, and I'm um, not with any of you, but just maybe Pastor Ben, but I'm just joking. I'm joking is Pastor Nathan, uh, but I, I wanted that so bad, and I just remember crying myself asleep every night, and um, then getting a text about two days into this, my aunt, Linda, she got covid she had some health issues beforehand. That's my mom's sister. And she got it so bad that it ended up producing pneumonia. And they were talking, like, when they took her to the hospital, she's like, I don't want to be revived. Don't even try to keep me alive. And it was like that. They're saying, pray. Her son said, no, we're going to keep you alive. And it was so bad. And so night and day, I'm just laying there praying fervently for my aunt. I'm like, God, this is not going to happen. Death, you have no victory. COVID, you have no victory. I rebuke you. And, and then I'm just praying day and night, night and day for her. And, I mean, I, I have nothing better to do. I'm sitting there um, in this room by myself, processing everything in a very low point in my life and praying. And one night they sent out a text saying, we have to put her into a medically induced coma. We don't know if she's going to be responsive coming out of it. She might be brain dead. All this stuff. And I started to pray, and I felt like the Lord said, no, I want you to praise. It's okay. So I just started, if you ever see me, if you ever walk past me, I'm talking to myself, more than likely I'm going to say thank you. I'm, I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. You're so good. I, I, I know. Like I say it all the time. Almost to, I just... He's so good, but I just laid there crying, saying, thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Your mercies endure forever. You are with me. You heal me. You go before me. You're so good. And I'm just saying this over and over. I start quoting the 23rd Psalm, and I just start praising the Lord. And, and not, not in song, just, just glorifying his name. And, and then it's clear as day, the Lord said, Everything's going to be okay. Trust me. Like, I heard it so loud. So I set up. I grabbed my phone. And we're all in this group text message. And I just sent it. I said, the Lord, God just told me this concerning Aunt Linda. Everything's going to be okay. Trust him. And she's in a medically induced coma. And let me tell you, from that point forward, she started getting better. 
And, and what's crazy about it is, yeah, give God some praise. He's good. He's good. She's not on medication. She's made a full recovery. She's, she's good. But what's crazy about it is it wasn't like God instantly healed her. God, here's the thing about fervent prayer and that we got to be okay with. God answers prayer how he wants to answer prayer, period. He could have healed her like boom, but that's not what he did. It was still a process, but she started responding. She started eating. She started doing like her, her every like activity in her brain, her body, her lung, her oxygen started coming up on her own. Like everything started happening, but it was how God wanted it to happen. I wanted it to happen like boom, heal her. But God answers prayer the way he answers prayer. And what I'm getting at is there's not a place where I was, I was in the lowest point in my life. And if God can hear me there, he can hear you right where you're at. If God can hear Jonah in the middle of a, of the, of a belly of a well, God can hear you. And we can't abandon fervent prayer, though. Maybe you need to lock yourself away. And go after God until you have breakthrough, not until you feel better. Because get this, fervent prayer doesn't change how you feel. It changes the situation you're praying about. You might get peace afterwards, but fervent, like, fervent prayer changes the situation. It doesn't just make us get goosebumps and cry a few tears. It changes, but God answers the way he wants to answer. He, want, he answers the way he wants to answer. And I could tell you this isn't a formula about, okay, well, if I pray fervently, God's going to do this, no, or, or God's going to change that. It's, it's not a formula. It's a relationship when we come before God fervently about the things that he lays on our heart and the things that honor and glorify him, God just shows up. And it's not like, I'm going to work this this way and so I can get this result. No, we do it for his glory, for his honor, so he can be glorified in the situation. And God showed up in Jonah's situation, and I don't think it's a coincidence that he got spit out after he started praising God. There are no coincidences with God. God does everything intentionally. He doesn't mix words. He doesn't, he doesn't miss timing. He doesn't change his mind. He does things intentionally. And Jonah started praising the Lord, which brings me to my next thought. There's not a place where praise doesn't make a difference. Jonah started praising the Lord in the belly of the well. He said, I will sing praises to you. Let's just read it for a moment. He says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. With songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. That's when he got his beach vacation. After he started praising. If we come to God in prayer and we don't walk away with his peace... Then we just complained. 
If we come to, before God and prayed and we don't walk away changed with his peace, we didn't pray, we complained. Because prayer and praise, they go hand in hand. They, 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 they walk together. And guess what? It changes the circumstance. And prayer and praise is an exchange. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you. It's, it's an exchange. We come before God with our stuff, and he gives us. The Bible says he trades beauty for ashes, mourning for dancing. It's an exchange. But if we come before God, and we're, we... We prayed or we praised, but we don't walk away with the peace of God and, and, and the confidence of God. We didn't pray. We complained. I know. That's a hard pill to swallow, too. But it's good, whether you like it or not. Jonah lifted God up in the midst of everything. And this is so important because praise makes a difference. And praise is not based on our circumstance. Praise is not based on our emotional state. Praise is not based where we find ourselves physically, mentally, financially, spiritually. Praise is based on who God is. God is God, and he's worthy of our praise, period. End of story. Doesn't matter if you're in the belly of a well or if you are on the best day of your life. God is worthy of your praise. God is worthy. And we praise God because he's God. And if we allow things in our life, like circumstances, or let's get, let's get real. Um, this is a big church one. I'm not saying it's here. I'm not saying it's here. I want you to hear me. But like genres of music or anything like that to dictate whether we worship and praise God, then we're actually making praise about us and not about the one we're lifting on high. And Jonah modeled something here that we need to grab a hold of. He's literally, he says, seaweed's wrapped around my head. I'm about to die, and I'm going to praise God. If Jonah could find a way to praise the God that made all things in the belly of a well, we could find a way to praise him no matter where we find ourselves. Because praise makes a difference in our circumstance. It doesn't change the circumstance per se, but it does, definitely does change our perspective because for a moment, when we start praising, when we start singing praises, whether we're singing or just declaring, I don't care, praise doesn't have to be in song, but the moment we start doing that, we quit looking at what's around us and we fix our eyes on who God is, how infinitely greater he is than our problems, how infinitely greater he is than our, than our situation, how infinitely greater he is than, than all ourselves. Because guess what? You're your number one critic and, and you, you condemn yourself more than anyone else. I think sometimes Satan can take a vacation because we, we got ourselves covered. But what I'm getting at is when we praise God, it shifts it all. God rescues me. God is greater. God is more. Suddenly you're not thinking about, man, I can't handle this. Because God can handle it. God, I can't open that door. But God can open that door. 
God, this is terminal, but God's our healer. God, I can't afford, but God is our provider. God, I mean, you get what I'm saying. There's not a place where praise doesn't make a difference because it shifts our focus off of us, off of our circumstance. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. We got to fix our eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We fix our eyes on him. And we declare praise over him. There's something powerful about declaration. When we start declaring how powerful, how great, how amazing our God is, there's something so powerful about that. Because guess what? The enemy trembles. He trembles at the name of Jesus. When we start declaring Jesus over circumstances, when we start declaring God's peace over circumstances, the enemy has no choice but to bow before God Almighty. He runs and he cowers because God is greater. And a mind that seeks to praise God in all circumstances sees that. You'll see your enemy tuck tail and run. You'll see him. There's not a place where praise doesn't make a difference. It always makes a difference. I truly believe when I was laying there and I started to pray for my aunt and the Lord said, no, I want you to praise me. It was the praise that drew the answer. I truly believe that. And it's the praise when Jonah was like, I'm going to praise God. I don't care if he delivers me or not. The three Hebrew children said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to bow. I'm going to praise God whether the fire consumes me or not. The circumstance might not change, but our perspective most definitely will. When we live a life and a mind of praise, and Jonah modeled this. I love it. I love how Jonah says, I'm just going to praise the Lord. And here's the thing. I've said this so many times. And you guys can probably quote it with me. But there are two times to praise God. When we feel like it and when we, when we don't. And guess what? When you don't feel like praising God, those are those moments when we offer a sacrifice of praise. We make ourselves a living sacrifice, pure and holy and pleasing. When you feel like worshiping, when you feel like praising God, that's not really a sacrifice. It's when you're like... God, why did you let this happen? But I know you're good. I know you do good, and I know that you have good for me. I praise you because you're enough. I praise you because you're God. Even though I don't necessarily see that right now, God, I praise you because you're bigger. And we just praise him when we don't feel like it. What I've discovered is when I praise him when I don't feel like it, I always leads, leads to a time of praising him and feeling like it. I'll start off going, I don't want to do this. I'll end with, I don't want it to end. We offer a sacrifice of praise because we praise God when we feel like it and when we don't. Because praise isn't about us. It's about God. And it changes it changes things. It changes the atmosphere. It changes how we walk. It changes everything. There's not a place where praise doesn't make a difference. And the last thought 
is not a place where God won't deliver you from. Ben, if you will. When we posture ourselves in prayer and praise, they go hand in hand. When we posture ourselves in that way, we get to we posture ourselves in a way to see God's delivering hand. When we live a life full of prayer and praise, it's a posture of possibility. I once heard um, a speaker named Louis Giglio. He he said that this right here before the Lord is a posture a possibility when we just lay ourselves down outright in prayer and submission and praise before the Lord we posture ourselves to see his hand at work and God is ready and he's willing to deliver there are people here today that they're carrying things that God's saying, bring to me and leave at me. Because I want to deliver you. Jonah postured himself. He could have complained the whole time. There might have been a moment where he did. It doesn't say. But he prayed in his lowest point. And that prayer postured him for deliverance. It postured him to get spit out on the beach in the right direction to fulfill his calling. There's not a place. I don't care where you're at today. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you've ran. I don't care what you find yourself in. If there's addiction, if there's whatever it is, there's not a place, there's not a thing that God will not deliver you from. He's a God that loves to deliver. He's a God that loves to show up. He's a God that loves to rescue. He's a God. That's what he does because he loves you. He cares for you. And... The first thing that God wants to deliver us from is sin and death. And if you're here or watching online and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's a very real eternity waiting for you. And the quality of that existence after you die here on earth is determined whether you bow before Jesus now or whether you bow before him after you die. And what I mean is, to go to heaven and exist in eternity in God's presence, we got to make Jesus Lord of our life now. And it's as simple as, Jesus, forgive me. I recognize that you're the Son of God. I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and that you rose again. You make that confession. Then God comes in, and he starts changing things. He delivers you from what the Bible calls a sin and death. And your eternity, where you're going to spend eternity, changes. 
Because the opposite of heaven is hell. And it's a place where God's presence is not. And if you don't make Jesus Lord of your life now, you will spend eternity there. Period. End of story. And I know that seems cruel, but God's given you every opportunity. If you're hearing this, he's saying this is, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. It's, you're not guaranteed anything. It's today. And God loves you enough to send his son into this world to die the death that you deserve. God made him who knew no sin to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. God gives you right standing through relationship with his son. And he delivers you from the power of hell, death, and the grave. And you don't have to spend eternity, because here's the deal. You will bow before God. You will bow. You will bow before him one day. But whether you bow now or bow after death determines whether you spend eternity with him or away from him. And God's here to deliver you. There's not a place that he can't deliver you from. He wants to, de- he wants to deliver you from that reality of hell. He wants to rescue you from that. And you say, well, Ryan, I don't need rescuing. My life is great. Your life might be great. It might be great. You might have all the money. You might have all the needs. You might be in perfect health. But you can't judge your salvation based on how your life is here. Because the reality is you will die one day. And I don't care how much you have, how good your life is. If you didn't profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, eternity is still hell. So we bow before him now. We make him Lord of our life. That's what God wants to rescue us first and foremost. And then after that, he wants to build this relationship. He wants us to walk with him. And he wants us to experience him as a loving father. A father that rescues. A father that cares. A father that shows up. A father that loves us relentlessly. Some of us are here today and and we, we profess Jesus as Lord and Savior, but we're, we're, we feel like, man, God, where are you? He's working. And he's rescuing. And I think right now, if you're not seeing that, it might just be a, a matter of posturing ourselves In a posture of prayer and praise to where we can see God's hand at work. And so what I'm going to do is Pastor Ben's going to lead us. If you need to accept Jesus as Lord or recommit your life to Jesus as Lord, I'm going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. Pastor Nathan's going to be up here. If you need prayer about a circumstance and you say, I just, I just need prayer. I need, I need, I need you to come alongside me and pray about something. We're going to be up here. And say you don't need either of those, but what we're going to do is we're going to posture ourselves. And we're going to praise Jesus because he's worthy of all of our praise, all of it. And we're we're going to invite him here into our lives, into our circumstance, into everything. As Pastor Ben starts to lead, let's all stand up. As Pastor Ben starts to lead and you feel the Lord leading you to get prayer or to accept Jesus, I want you to respond. 
Um, the rest of us, let's worship Jesus like there's no tomorrow. Let's posture ourselves in prayer and praise. Thank you, Jesus, that you hear us. Mm. Thank you, Father, that there's not a place where you won't reach us. There's not a place that you don't hear us. There's not a place where prayer doesn't make a difference, and there's not a place that you won't rescue us from. Oh, God, I thank you that you hear us when we call to you. I thank you, Father, that you are an answer. You answer our prayers. You show up supernaturally day in and day out. And, Father, I pray right now for your church. Lord, I speak blessing over them. I speak your anointing into them. Holy Spirit, anoint them to go out from this place charged anew to be the church of the living God, to see people the way you see them, to reach people the way you want them reached. Lord, let us be a church that's known, that loves people, that cares for people. Lord God, work in us. Lord, let us be the church triumphant in the name of Jesus, I pray. Give us opportunities this week. And Father, I pray that you bless them. Let your countenance shine upon them. Go before them as they lay their heads down, as they rise their heads up, as they come and as they go. Lord, bless their dealings. Give them wisdom and go before them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I love you. It's going to be a great week.